This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Best and brightest, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the United States Federal Bureau of investigation. Oh, wait. Wrong button. Ladies and gentlemen, best and brightest, I give you the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Very tossed. Some people say there's no such thing as justice anymore. Come on. Welcome back, best and brightest. Where the heck you been? Well, as long as you're here now. I am Jay Severin. We are the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 one 3393 And the uh, little uh, Twitter folk thing, which, you know, I don't mean to minimize because I spend half my life on it. Twitter is at J-A-Y, little underscore doohickey, uh, S-E-V-E-R-I-N, at J-A-Y underscore doohickey, S-E-V-E-R-I-N. Complaints, criticisms, observations, all welcome here. Other bon mot, as you feel are appropriate additions to our smorgasbord of the mind, we are here. I would say, good morning, justice now being served. Except I might have to print that in a foreign language. What a coincidence of meetings, huh? And, and, and you, know, you know this before I have to say it. Those of us in this partnership of this show are not surprised by anything that's happened because we have predicted everything that has happened, and why, months before it's happened, including this one. If you're a partner here, you know that Hillary Clinton was never going to be indicted. If the Clintons had another, here, the, the Las Vegas had equal odds on the following. If the Clintons had another grandchild between now and and election day, Bill Clinton would give birth to the grandchild. That was the, those were equal odds with Hillary being indicted. Justice. I've I've searched, and, and who knows? Maybe in the course of this, out of hysteria, I'll be able to draw some way to make this funny. But 
at the very least, this is a profound constitutional moment in our in our country, which used to be based on a series of constitutional moments. It was the glue that held us together, held the states together, held us all together as Americans. Now it's the glue we sniff, evidently. So at the very least, we just had a profound constitutional moment, which I'll explain. But that's at best. And, and that you're not going to like that. I mean, I can't make a very good case for it. I'll try. But that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is that it is what it appears to be. That means we all ought to be wearing wrist bracelets that say WDJG. What did Jim get? As in Jim Comey, the director of the FBI? A once unthinkable thought in our country now is mandatory thought. What did Jim get? We shall get to that. For now, what about those zany meetings? What about those coincidences, huh? Talk about bet making. Clinton, uh, and by whom I mean, of course, the impeached uh, bastard uh, Clinton, gets on a plane just by coincidence in order to choreograph a secret, a secret, ultra secret meeting at the Phoenix airport. So he gets on a private plane. It just so happens that. Uh, the next day, uh, four or five billion people know about it. Good secret meeting. Let's have more of these. Very good. Well done. Okay, so we have the uh, double secret probation meeting. And then on Saturday, this is now, now, okay, Monday, we have the double secret probation meeting between the impeached bastard. Clinton and the Attorney General of the United States. Hours before, and we now know this, and we, we said this. We said this here together last week. This, you know, we said this is, it means it's hours away from a decision because the meeting was never secret. And I won't get into that again. But if anyone's looking for a place where it was argued in advance that the meeting was not secret and never intended to be, then uh, please check out the podcast on SoundCloud. Now, we had the the double secret probation meeting on Monday. Then on Saturday morning of Independence Day weekend, not just a summer Saturday, but the summer Saturday of Independence Day weekend, when the least number of people, even who pay attention, are paying attention to the news or anything else. On Saturday of Independence Day weekend, the FBI finally pops the cork and says, okay, Mrs. Clinton, Get her in here. This is it. 
the culmination of the process, her interview, what they call an interview, for you or me, it would be known as questioning. And I'm not kidding about that at all, and you know it. Well, what, where, well, what's being happened? Well, he's being questioned right now by the FBI. The Clintons don't get questioned. They get interviewed. I wonder if they had punch and cookies. So Mrs. Clinton is invited. We're remanded. She's invited. We're remanded to a questioning in cuffs. She's invited to an interview with punch and cookies by the FBI Saturday holiday weekend and then in another zany coincidence the director of the FBI after 30,000 that's the number 30,000 man hours of pouring over evidence against Hillary Clinton that's how much evidence against her there was enough that even, and this is the only time I'll use this word, judiciously measured, it, it required thousands of FBI, hundreds of FBI agents to spend thousands of hours pouring over the substantive evidence against her. And she's, now they've got it all together, right? We've got all our questions. We're ready to go. Now she's going to be questioned. She's questioned Saturday morning. And on Tuesday morning, two days later, after two years of investigation, 30,000 man hours of the examination of evidence, two days later, she's brought in, well, I'm sorry, she's not brought in, the FBI director walks in and says, yep, I was, boy, was I busy this weekend. I just flew in from Justiceville, and my arms are my arms tired. I tell you what, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, it only took me two days to decide after all of this evidence. And by the way, she's not guilty of anything. Now, in the end, you know, he's not really the one that's important. You are. We are as American citizens, because we have to decide either to wonder and or to ask, what is the difference between extreme carelessness and gross negligence? Or, or if, I, if I may, substitute one word, because gross doesn't really belong in that sentence as much as, even though it describes Hillary, it doesn't belong in that sentence as much as the uh, essential legal term, uh, which is criminal. What well, criminal negligence? What's the difference between extreme carelessness and criminal negligence? It's a trick question to celebrate our reunion. Yeah, there is no difference. When your child uh, gets uh, a couple of goldfish for her, uh, goldfish is probably a bad idea, but you know, I've, I, I should have come up with a better one by now. Anyway, you know, <clears throat> if, if your child gets a new car, you know, for her 16th birthday, and then the first day lends it 
to uh, an 18-year-old senior at her high school who wants to borrow it on a Saturday night for a party out at the lake. You know, and he runs it into a rock or a tree and he totals her new car, which she's owned for one day. What you say to your daughter is, you have exhibited extreme carelessness. You, you, you had a duty of care to, 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 to take care of this car. You, there is an implicit duty of care, although you wouldn't say that to your 16-year-old because that's, that's legal talk. I might say it, but I'm unusual in that way. But you, the thing is, you had this car, and it was yours, and, you know, we all understood. We talked about this. You would take care of it, and you were extremely careless. You were careless. You were extremely careless. Okay. That's what happens with a teenager in a car. You know, usually what happens is, God forbid, far more serious. But let's just say in this case, all that happens is the car gets wrecked. She was extremely careless. But that's not what you say to someone who over and over again knowingly violated the laws of the United States of America when it comes to our national security. You don't say, Hillary, you're grounded. Hillary, shame on you. Hillary, you were, you were really careless. What we say to her is the legal equivalent of that, which legal equivalent I will present in just a moment. This is Jay Severin, Severin. on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Best and brightest. one 888 I am Jay Severin until otherwise informed. Uh, I am Jay Severin and I know that you are the best and brightest. You know, I, I, I realize now that no one buys books and someday we'll have to look up, though not in a book, what books were. And it was until fairly recently in the scope of human history that poor Gutenberg, you know, I, I can imagine them sitting around with great big frothy steins of lager saying, old goots, baby, you did it now. Man, if you can get 5% on the printing of books, that's it. The Gutenbergs will be titans for the rest of time. After all, when's a book going to go away? Ah, ha, ha, we don't buy books anymore, but a couple of books were necessary, and everyone I grew up with had books in their house, and they had particular books for openers. Most 
Most had the Bible. The degree to which they paid attention to it is another story and another discussion. And, 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 and for openers, just really quickly, the answer is decreasing attention was paid to the Bible. Uh, and that troubles me, not because I'm a religious man, but because I'm a faithful man. Uh, and the if you take away, if you drain out the extreme interpretations of most of the great books, what they teach are the great lessons. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt honor thy mother and father. Do unto others as you would have done unto you. So I'm, I'm a big fan of that. So one of those books, when there was such a thing as books, and there was such a thing as a principle that any home that expected to be a good home would have books in it, and particular books for openers, and that those books would include the dictionary. Some better than others, by the way. We don't need to get into that, but a, a decent dictionary, a decent thesaurus, an encyclopedia. These are things that generations of us were told, go look it up. And I'm not complaining. I'm not, I'm not being a Luddite here or a curmudgeon. It, looking it up online, it's just a sign of progress, I suppose. So that's okay. Uh, I, 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 there's still something about it that's odd to me, but that's, you know, because I'm cranky. Uh, <clears throat> but fine. Looking it up is still the important thing. Learning the idea of something. And here's where this one comes in. My home has a Black's Law Dictionary and always has. <clears throat> and frankly, I regard it like I regard the Bible. Whether or not you believe everything in it, uh, it is the terminology of the law. And the law is a real thing, and it's there every day. And this tells you what the terms mean. And I grew up reading Black's Law Dictionary. I, I'm a queer fellow. And, I, and I, so there's, again, other explanations for that. But uh, I, 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 I always found it interesting to read Black's. I always found it interesting when my peers, especially when I got to be, you know, like 20, you know, 8 to 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, you know, early 20s. And I'd hear my friends sit at the beach and they'd toss around terms like, yeah, man, that's assault. You know, yeah, man, that's fraud. And a little smugly, I would say, do you know what the law of fraud actually is? You know, you know no, that's not assault. That's battery. Do you know the difference? Which, as you can imagine, made me really popular. I maximized my beatings as an adolescent by being a fan of Black's Law Dictionary. So that's probably the thing it has to recommend it. If you want to build character and you think beatings build character, give your child a Black's Law Dictionary so they can be a smart ass like I was. But in any case, here's my point. You know generally we have one. It just may take us. We take the scenic route to our point. And, but here, here, here is the point. There's the sign. Point. Take right. And here we are at the point. The point is when someone who has harmed someone in person, 
or immaterial. When that person steps before a judge, that judge does not say, Naughty, naughty, Jose, you have been very careless. No, no, they don't say to Jose he's been very careless. They say, you've been grossly negligent. And in a moment, you know, you'll learn what that means under the law. Because careless is for children. Negligent is for criminal adults. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. Extremely careless is what you tell your 5 or 10 or 15-year-old. Maybe these days you're 20, you're 25, you're 30-year-old. Extremely careless. In law, extremely careless translates into gross slash criminal negligence. And it becomes a very serious matter. Your parents decide whether and how to punish you if you are careless. The people of the United States of America or the people of the state of wherever you live decide how and whether to punish you for negligence. Negligence carries with it the automatic assumption you have behaved criminally And you have behaved to the harm of others. And when James Comey, the director of the FBI, came out and said, for the first 45 minutes, I was saying to myself, this is great. This is it. It's happening. They're going to indict her. And you know, I was not happy because I hate Hillary, though God knows I do. And I don't want her to be president, though God knows I don't. But I was proud for my country. You know, I'd say, by God, a country that will indict Hillary Clinton in the middle of a campaign like this is a constitutional republic called the United States of America. Only we would do this. Only we would do this. For the first 45 minutes, he defined, animated the laws of criminal negligence and how and why Hillary Clinton committed it. He shredded every argument that she offered, everything that she said she did or didn't do. He proved with evidence to be, before the eyes of the law, a lie. And then he said, but we're not going to indict her. He actually said the words, No reasonable prosecutor would prosecute this. And at that moment, I realized he was right. No, not in general principle. He was right with particularity to himself. No reasonable prosecutor would pursue this. 
No, not you anyway, Jim. And we all wonder, WJDG, what did Jim get? Because this was a bribe, straight up and straight out. This was gross criminal negligence for which you and I would be in jail. And the funny thing is, <laughs> the funny thing is, he kept bringing up intent. Well, I didn't see an intent to violate the law. I didn't see intent. Folks, I don't want, and I'm not qualified to get technical here, but I'm sure as heck qualified to get as technical as I'm about to get. And that is intent specifically does not matter. The entire law of negligence is based on not the commission of an act, but the creation of a criminal deed by your omissions. It was your job to turn off you know, where you work. It was your job to turn off the grill at the end of the you know, someone's anniversary party and you didn't and the factory burnt down. That's criminal negligence. It's not, you were, yeah, you were careless, but you're a big boy now. And so it's not carelessness, it's criminal negligence. Mrs. Clinton broke the law repeatedly. She knew she was breaking the law, but because there was no intent to harm that James Comey could find, then, well, we're going to forgive it. We're going to let you go on this one because we didn't see any any intent to harm You broke the law and you knew you were breaking the law and you continued to break it, but we didn't see any intent that you really wanted to do anything naughty. So we're going to let this go. This violates everything about American law. (laughs) Intent has nothing to do. This law was written to provide for the argument that Comey used. There are passages in this law U.S. 18973, I think it is, that provides specifically to say no defense. There will be no affirmative defense in the argument that or the notion that someone uh, didn't know or forgot or they didn't have criminal intent. It's enough to leave the top secret papers identifying all of our undercover CIA agents for you to leave that at Starbucks with your newspaper and it's picked up by a college professor and it ends up on a website the next day and the day after that, all of these agents are in a basement in Budapest being tortured to death. See, if if you were entrusted in law with those papers, if you had a top-secret clearance, you didn't do something naughty. You did something criminally negligent. And you didn't have intent. You, you will say, I didn't intend for... Gee, I've worked at the CIA for 18 years. I'm a loyal American. I had no intent to have our agents... Uh, identified and tortured to death? Yeah, but you see, that's not what the law says. That's why the law forces you to be careful. 
<laughs> the reason that you're careful is, uh-oh, better not leave these here because if I do, my ass is fried. That's what, I mean, some people are naturally careful, some people are not. The law helps us to be careful because if we leave the papers identifying our undercover agents and they all get killed, you weren't naughty. You were grossly, criminally negligent and you're going to jail unless your name is Hillary Clinton. And that's the biggest problem. Dan, meet me in St. Louis. Jay, how are you doing this afternoon? What's up? Thanks for calling, my friend. Okay, I've got a, a, a great funny story for you. I went down and picked my... It had better uh, be funny for today. It is going to be funny. I went down and picked my nephew up from... Uh, he graduated from a university. And uh, 80% of the university Congrats. was for Bernie Sanders. Is for Bernie Sanders. Of course. Okay. So anyway, I'm there, and there about 50 people were there. 50 people were there, and they were drinking. And after about 12 beers, they seen I was with my – and I'm 60 years old. My nephew's 25. A lot of these kids are 25 graduating. Right. So we got talked about capitalism, and I explained them my philosophy of capitalism, and one thing led to another. And we start – the conversation went into – I said, here's where we are today. I said – I said, I, if someone says they don't like Ted Cruz, another person says, you don't like him because he's Hispanic. If I say, ah, well, you know what? I really don't care for Carly Fiorina. They say, well, you don't like her because she's from California. <laughs> oh, you don't like Joe Biden. You don't like Joe Biden because he's Irish. Well, the thing, the, the conversation turned, and these, and these young kids are really pissed at Hillary Clinton and what's going on. So... Uh, I said the, to and, and uh, you mean with regard kids, to what we're what we're talking about yeah, here? What we're talking okay. about this this all ties in, right. and um, one of the one of the young men, twenty five years old, graduated up. He says a hundred thousand dollars in debt of going to school, and kind of got the he kind of got the idea of capitalism and how it worked, and uh, he says, "Well, Bernie so went to jail four years at university or eight minutes with you." You know, you, yeah. you could have saved him $100,000, right? Ab- absolutely. You see, the kid stood up. 50 people are quiet. He said, Bernie would have went to jail. Room's completely quiet. And I said, why would he went to jail? He said, because he's a Jew. See how this all ties in? You know, I didn't, you, well, you know, I, people, you know, it, it, you know that, that's where we're at now. What you mean in terms of identity politics? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, well, you don't like Joe Biden. Well, you know, why don't you like Joe Biden? Because he's, a, because he's Irish. I mean, right. no, that's right. How about, that, how about you don't like and the Hillary so argument, kid, by the way, the, the Hillary argument is perfect. You know, it's it's there are 500 reasons I could left in a room with a pad and a pencil I could list, uh, let's make it 100. I could list 100 reasons why Hillary Clinton ought not be in office. But I can come out of there uh, having achieved that fairly impressive, not nearly impressive as it may seem, because there's so much to choose from. But I can come out of there having uh, achieved that impressive feat, and someone's going to say to me, well, you're, you're just against women. Correct. I think that's, 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 that's right. This this room went hysterical because you know they 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 totally understood of well you know you you know I like Ted Cruz and somebody else's would well 
Well, I would say, you, well, the only reason you don't like Ted Cruz is because he's Hispanic. Well, no, no, no. They said, we don't, don't agree with his policies. I said, exactly. I said, but the world is, we became in the United States, where we're at, is it's all about racism. It's, it, that's all this is about. And when the kid said, I said, Bernie went to jail, and I said, why? And he says, because he's a Jew, everybody broke out laughing. They got it. They really got well, it. And then they all well, said, there's no way in hell they're going to vote for Hillary Clinton. You believe in the uh, you believe in the general code of devil's advocate, do you? Yes. All right. I do, too. That's how I learned part of the Socratic method. And, and I suspect how you did as well. So I'm going to play devil's advocate for a moment to get it out uh, just out on the table. Here is Comey's. All right. Doctor tells me I have to break. If you've got a moment, Dan, stick with me. In a moment, I'd like to pretend to represent FBI Director James Comey. I'm going to be his lawyer, and I'm going to present in very, very, very brief form the only argument which I think he has, which borders on the legitimate, as devil's advocate— you know, how would you possibly explain yourself if you're James Comey? I'm going to answer that question. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network? One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Dan from St. Louis rejoins us. We have another partner on the phone ready to step up. Here we are. Uh, Dan has accepted my invitation. Uh, uh, I think, really, actually, an imposition uh, to play devil's advocate here. And here it is. <clears throat> Though James Comey, FBI director. And this is, to me, the most astounding thing. If you, if, you, if you wanted to argue, I'm not devil's advocate yet. I'll tell you when I put that hat on, okay, Dan? Okay. Right now, I've got my James Comey booster hat on. And I'm saying nothing proves this guy's, nothing demonstrates this guy's integrity. Ironically, quite like the fact that he spent 45 minutes giving you all the reasons why and how she broke the law. He made a 45-minute presentation to the jury explaining why this woman is guilty. And then when that was all done, he said, yet, and he never uttered the words, though this is what, the, the, here's where the words come from. It's from an ancient concept in our law, Roman, English, our, English common law, our law, called prosecutorial discretion. A gross case of prosecution. You there, Dan? Yes, I am. I'm listening. Good. Just want to make sure. A gross case, and gross cases make bad law, and they make bad cases, but uh, bad examples. But it's the first one that comes to mind. Do you recall when the Stanford star swimmer a few weeks ago 
raped a girl and was given I, like time served by the judge? An outrage occurred, yes. Okay. Okay. That was a case of prosecutorial discretion. And they said, you know, all things considered, including the harm, and this is where people, you know, vehemently disagree, but their philosophy, uh, which is ancient, derived from this philosophy, and that is considering all harm done on both sides, the harm to the life of the young man will be grimmer, more severe, more lasting, more damaging than to the life of the woman who was raped. And in balancing the two, we find that the effects to society are likely that this young woman will end up to be a fully functioning, normal person with no barriers between herself and, you know, a normal existence. Whereas if this young man is sent to, you know, state prison, uh, you know, that's his life is over, yada, yada. That was prosecutorial discretion. Now, it was a gross case of it. James Comey used a form of prosecutorial discretion. And uh, I don't have time right now, but in a few minutes, stick with me. I'll tell you what it was. Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. So the director of the FBI comes out and gives a compelling 45-minute presentation of why and how Hillary Clinton broke all of the laws, lied about all of it, and why she is surely guilty of criminal negligence when it comes to the security of the laws of the United States. And then in the next breath says, but I'm not going to indict her. How can that be? Devil's Advocate Severin appears for the next several moments here on The Blaze. Excelsior. Welcome back, best and brightest, Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network, one 3393 one Okay, for the next few moments, I am devil's advocate, Jay. And though it's a very interesting conversation about where the term devil's advocate came from, uh, it's, it's less interesting than it used to be because... It used to be the product of years of learning that yielded that information. Now someone pops out their cell phone and can tell me what devil's advocate means, you know, in 10 seconds. It rather devalues it for me. Although, again, I don't mean to be a Luddite. I suppose it's better that, 
if you can learn it in 30 seconds, uh, that you'll be inclined to learn it. And knowing it is better than not knowing it. So that having been said, here is Jim Comey's argument. Most of it unmade. Most of it implicit. But this is, you know, please don't call me and say, Jim Comey didn't say that. Okay, because I'm going to say a few things Jim, Jim Comey didn't say. But these are implicit in his argument. The real question is not did not what Comey said. The real question is, is there an argument for what Comey did? Is there a justification for what Comey did? Just before I do that, I'm going to welcome Thane from Mo, because Thane's been on a long time, and I want to stop doing that when partners call. Thane, thank you for your patience and welcome. Hi, Jay. Uh, hey, I kind of like where you're. I like where you're going with the whole devil's advocate because it's kind of where I was fixing to go. I'll tell you what. Uh, how about I give it in, in, in? I just take a couple minutes to give it, and then you'll be here and you, you tell me what you think. Tell us what you think. Okay, yes, sir. All right, here's here we go. I'll make it even the shorter. Know that knowing that Thane and all of you are waiting, and here it is. He. Comey presented all the reasons why and how Clinton broke the law, but then said a reasonable prosecutor would not pers- would not pursue an indictment here or a prosecution. What he was signaling to us was that his overall responsibility and the overall responsibility of government and of the law is to try and balance what is best for the people and what he was saying was the prosecution of hillary clinton is different than the prosecution of you or me because you ain't running for president of the united states it is different there is a double standard there must be a double standard now this is what i predicted months ago when we first discussed this we discussed the likely outcome i.e. Hillary not indicted, and the reasons why. And, and here it is in a nutshell. This case long ago became essentially a matter of big P politics, not law. At this point, those of us bright enough to follow it, we know the law. We know she broke it. The director of the FBI knows she broke it, and he said so. But he also said, if you read between the lines, that for the overall good of this entity known as the United States of America, we're in the middle of a profound plebiscite, a quadrennial decision made by voters about who and what is going to lead our country. And the director of the FBI said, in the middle of this profound national debate, in the middle of a national election, this ipso facto becomes a political judgment rather than a legal one. That is to say, the United States of America and its citizens will be best served if this conundrum is settled by the citizens not by lawyers. It is better 
settled via our political system than it is via the courtroom. And I must tell you that you would not search long if you were searching for federal judges of any political stripe who would validate what James Comey said and what I just said. The fact is there is an argument here. The argument is when it's not a guy stealing a car. It happens to be one of the landmark figures of American uh, politics and history running for president of the United States. And James Comey knows that the decision of the FBI to prosecute or not prosecute one of the two major candidates for president of the United States goes a long way to deciding the outcome of an American election. And if you read between the lines and if you know a little bit about law as opposed to the law, the, 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 the role of law as seen by progressive, and I don't mean left wing, as seen by progressive jurists, an argument here, a strong argument exists that you really oughtn't have politicians, um, uh, I'm sorry, you really oughtn't have lawyers making what is a citizen's decision. And I believe that was what uh, guided Judge Rehnquist in the impeachment, later the recall, uh, uh, the failed recall of uh, impeached bastard Bill Clinton. And that is, this is essentially a political question. It ought to be made by the citizens of the United States, not by lawyers. And I'll now take off my devil's advocate cap, but I believe that if you are prepared to think about this expansively, I don't mean agree with it. I just mean appreciate that there is what lawyers call an argument that you could make that that says this is now really a political judgment, not a legal one. And though it could be made legally, it really serves the country best to let people vote and decide. Because if it's a judgment call, that judgment call ought to go to the people deciding rather than judges and lawyers. And in a way, if you consider that argument, it really does make James Comey rather a heroic figure. It Because it takes a lot of guts under the circumstances to make that. Now again, that's an argument. That's not the truth. I don't know if there is a truth. That's just an argument. You either buy that it's not true or not. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you to buy whether or not you can see that that's an argument. And if that's a valid argument, that is the argument that James Comey is making. I believe I've already uh, told you what I really believe personally, and that is, what did Jim Comey get? And we will talk in a moment with Thane about what he makes of the devil's advocate defense uh, slash argument in this. And we'll talk further about whether and what James Comey got. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. 
On the Blaze Radio Network, one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Thane, you're on. Uh, hello, Jay. Um, I'm glad that you went ahead and said everything that you did say. It kind of helped me out with my with my talking point. Good. Uh, um, I can completely see where you're coming from on that and agree with you on that. Uh, but I would like to take it a step further. Um, you don't agree with me. How- that wasn't me. That was the devil. Correct, sir. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I want to take that a little bit further and say that in light of the meeting that Mr. Clinton had with the Attorney General on the tarmac in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, that right there was a big, kind of like a kick in the mouth to the FBI. So I'm, I'm going to assume that they went ahead and pushed everything forward, went ahead and had their little interrogation or questioning of Ms. Clinton, and they decided, all right, Attorney General is corrupt. Let's go ahead and just let this all out, let the voters decide whatever they decide. But I also feel that there's a chance that they're not going to prosecute her just yet because they do still have the investigation into the Clinton Foundation, and there may be other investigations we're not aware of at this point in time. They may have a bigger plot behind all of this to really drag them under because they've been under investigation for decades. All their lives. For corruption after corruption after corruption. They may be finally tying all of those all together as one big thing. So why bust this kid that's got a dime bag of weed, a little small amount of weed, when you can get the ringleader and all the cronies that go along with the ringleader? Well, Thane, I take your, I, I, I take what you say, and it's all quite rational and logical in the abstract. But I must say to you, I, I, and I say this with respect and affection, if we looked up wishful thinking, you know, in the encyclopedia, there'd be a picture, there'd be a little clip of you saying what you just said, because I love it. And I wish it were so. But, Thane, this was it. This was the enchilada. This was the big enchilada. This was the gold ring. And this was the case that they had, for which they had the most evidence. Yada, 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 yada. And if they are going to duck and cover on this case, believe me. And and again... I could be wrong. There's a first time for everything. But believe me when I say to you, if they ducked and covered on an opportunity to prosecute in this case with this degree of evidence, when when the director of the FBI made the best argument that's been made by anybody as to why she's guilty, he told us that she's guilty. He explained all the reasons why and how she is guilty and then said, But we're not going to pursue uh, prosecution on this one. Thane, I love you. But if you think that behind that, I mean, that reminds me of the Ronald Reagan story he told of the kid uh, uh, who was such an optimist that uh, he kept hoping each year for a, a, a horse, you know, from his parents as a gift. 
He lived out west. And one year he finally said, this is going to be the year. I, I, know, I know I'm I'm going to get a horse for my birthday. I know this is going to be the year. And his parents found him out in the back at dawn at first light. And he was shoveling at an enormous pile of manure. And his mother said to him, Johnny, what are you doing out there? And he said, I just know there's a pony underneath this somewhere. And Thane, <laughs> your argument, not your argument, but your, your very hopeful, wishful, uh, admirable thought on this is I'm looking at you with a shovel at the back window and you're in the corral telling me that you just know there's a pony underneath this pile of manure somewhere. I think the shocking thing about this thing is that manure, we've got a pony, we ain't got, and we ain't going to get. This was it. Well, I can understand. I can understand you, but the manure has got to come somewhere. So maybe the pony was still out <laughs> back in the tall grass. We got to find well, as out. As long as there's, and as I, long as there's a Democrat party, there will be manure. Don't worry about that. Most definitely, sir. And I completely respect you as well. And it's like I said, it's just an idea, uh, and it is wishful thinking. And I, I still have faith in our, in our politicians. And I'm hoping that maybe this will be the thing that busts all the corruption. And well, like Thane, I said, I if you're going to be, be if you're going to be quote unquote guilty, and I'd say that I admire you for it if you're going to be guilty and god bless you if you're going to be guilty of wishful thinking first of all don't give up and secondly as to the particulars of this case forget about prosecution and think for a moment and i neglected to mention this there is there is a school of thought that says jim comey realizes that he was between a rock and a hard place and that he really didn't do them a favor, not much of one, by underscoring that this was a political decision for people to make. Because if, if as so long as he was not going to prosecute or uh, thing, then why go into a one-hour preamble about how guilty she is? There's a lot of people on the Clinton side, uh, I've spoken to one or two privately, tell me, they're very angry that so long as Comey was going to not prosecute, why did he give a, such a long, brilliant presentation about her guilt? And so maybe leaving her, maybe throwing her to the political wolves is a better idea than giving them the excuse that they're somehow uh, being persecuted, not just prosecuted, but persecuted that she can look like she's carrying around a crucifix, dragging a crucifix through the convention and saying, oh, you know, all those all those fascists, you know, they're all all those idiot Trumpists, all those Republicans, all those mean-spirited racists and homophobes, they're against me because they're, you know, they're, it's, it's, not, it's not a ridiculous argument that she would turn around and use uh, 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 prosecution as a way to show what a saint she was and she was fighting the system and all of that. I'm not saying she would have preferred it. Uh, That would be foolish, but maybe Comey made the best of what he had. I don't know. I don't, 
I don't know. I really don't know. Oh, and also by putting the truth out there the way he did, she can't buy her way out of it. She's going to be prosecuted by us, the people, as the devil's advocate stated. And we'll be the judges and the jury and convict her in our own little way. And Well, that is one thing. I, I, that's that's very astute of, of you. That is very astute of you because the reaction of the mainstream media in the first 24 hours to Comey has really been to focus less, it seems to me, on the notion that Hillary Clinton has been vindicated than to say, wow, he sure made her sound guilty for an innocent person. And in the end, you know, I wonder how much of a favor he really did her. Uh, And and out of all of this, I am certainly grateful for that 45 minutes that started the whole thing because it's causing the media to say, well, what about that? You know, what, what about that, Mrs. Clinton? He's provided the underpinnings of a series of questions uh, that essentially all have her guilty. And the question is, well, Mrs. Clinton, gee, do you feel good getting off on a technicality? Jay Seven on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. Look, my good friends, you need to take a bit more seriously. And I know that's a dangerous sentence. It sounds treacherously like preaching. But in this case, I intend it to be. I am preaching. And in this case, I have a right to be preaching, that is. That was the devil's advocate you heard earlier. That was the devil. And I claim the same rights as you and everyone else does to proffer a case or an argument in the form of the devil. It comes from, evidently everyone didn't look it up uh, on their cell phones. The devil's advocate derives from the choice of a new pope by the Roman Catholic Church. And because the Jesuits... God bless them, pun intended. The Jesuits regarded themselves as the fighter pilots of Catholic theology. I don't think I'm going to trademark that. Um, The Jesuits regarded themselves not, not unrealistically, by the way, as the fighter pilots, you know, on the carrier. The carrier being the Roman Catholic Church and the fighter pilots being... The fighter jocks being the big swinging fighter pilots of the carrier. And the Jesuits, with a strong intellectual tradition, have always been in trouble with the Pope because the Jesuits were the Catholics that always questioned, but why? But why? How? Why? And that always got them in trouble with a church with a strong vertical structure the strongest in the history of organized religion, right? Because you had the Pope, and the Pope was the Pope was the Pope. And whatever the Pope said, that was that. That was the word. 
Well, the Jesuits are, were, have always been famous for saying, wait, why, how? Explain that to me again. But if that, then what about this? Okay. So the Jesuits, which historically have been a very, very strong voice within the College of Cardinals, insisted that the choice of a new pope would ring hollow among the faithful and among and among non-Catholics if it looked like it was, well, to quote Donald Trump, I'd like to say the next president of the United States. I just can't bring myself to say it. I wish it, but I can't bring myself to say it. Uh, The Jesuits said, look, this is not going to gain us anything. Catholics will have doubts. Non-Catholics will have doubts. The intelligentsia will have doubts if this looks like it's a fixed game. So when we choose a new pope, we believe it's important that of the entire College of Cardinals, at least one of them is willing to stand up during the questioning process and argue why this man ought not be pope, why he is not the paragon of virtue, why he does not represent, cannot, ought not represent Jesus Christ on earth. And of course, the first question that came back, probably from another Jesuit, was, what fool do you expect to do that? Because anybody who is willing to do that, to stand up and make an honest, if theoretical, case for the purposes of showing that we are fair and that we have considered, you know, all of the sides and arguments here, which, by the way, is brilliant as far as I'm concerned. But what fool is going to do that? Because when he finishes making his argument, he'll be a pariah. He'll be lucky to be alive the next day. Are you kidding me? For much of the church's existence, he would be found coincidentally stabbed in the back a hundred nineteen times, and they would say it was a suicide. So, they had to consider who is willing to stand up and make that case, and God bless the Jesuits, pun intended. They conjured the following. I know we'll have a devil's advocate. What's that? Well, a devil's advocate, they said, will be the devil who temporarily inhabits the body and mind of one of the cardinals. And that cardinal will, for the time of his testimony, not be regarded as Jean-Paul Ginelli, as his, as his life, as his soul, as his person. He will be regarded as a mere vessel of artful, wicked communication for Satan. So for that hour or that 10 hours or that 10 minutes that Cardinal Ginelli speaks in opposition to our nominee for Pope, 
He will be the devil. He will be speaking for the devil and thus will not and never be held responsible as Cardinal Ginelli for what he says. He will not be blackballed. He will not be murdered. He will not be disowned. Although if you read some of the history of this, if you decided to make a name for yourself by being devil's advocate, I hope you also had your law degree or more importantly, swift horses, swift horses that could get you outside the Vatican walls and into Germany as quickly as possible. Uh, In any case, the devil's advocate. And so someone, quote unquote, volunteered. They were the devil's advocate. And after everyone else stepped forward to sing the virtues of this papal nominee, the devil's advocate would appear. He would not be sworn in in his own name. He would say, uh, and I, you know, six years of Latin, here's an opportunity to show it off. And I, I and I, it fails me. But he would say in Latin, uh, I, I, I am the dark one. I, I am Satan. I, I speak for the devil. Here are the reasons why Ginelli ought not be Pope. Here's what's wrong with him. And then he would list, and if you read the history of this, which is fascinating, they would list either a series of fantasy allegations or maybe allegations that flirted with real life if he happened to be a real fan of, uh, well, I want to, you know, make this as civilized as possible. If he was a real fan of the ladies, let's say, or of the grape, uh, as it might have been said, you know, th- this would be this would be testified. And then at the end, they'd say thank you very much, and they would vote. And, of course, the nominee would become the Pope, and the white smoke would come out of the smokestack. And if you were lucky, uh, Cardinal Ginelli wouldn't find himself stabbed 147 times in the back by suicide the next day. But that was the devil's advocate. It's an extremely clever, useful, honest, utterly admirable and totally fascinating vehicle in philosophy and in theology and in the law. And so make no mistake, when I say I speak as the devil's advocate, I realize I have some standing credentials in that regard, which may not be utterly uh, utterly made up out of nowhere, but that's what devil's advocate is. I think it's worthwhile and fun. But in any case, Hillary Clinton ought to have been prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. I believe that the United States of America would be fullest and best, well and best served by a photograph of her in six or seven orange jumpsuits split open and sewn back together again to accommodate her enormously hefty avoirdupois 
with her hands on prison bars, looking mournfully out of her jail cell. That would serve America. Mia, welcome back. Hello, dear heart. Pleased to meet hey, you. Baby. What up? Guess my name. A lot, actually. I'll be holding a class starting next week on the dentist, the 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 defenest. I can never say it. The defenestration uh, party is what I'm going to be setting up next week. Really? Tell and, us about that. Uh, oh, well, you know, it, the last time we had a really good one was like in the 1800s somewhere. It was like in Prague. And basically what they did was, you know, they got really upset and they just started throwing people out the window. Okay. And so. <laughs> Are you sure that wasn't. Are you sure that wasn't the menstruation party? Sorry, I just I, I oh, couldn't resist. Hey, but okay. um, but then again, I mean, who needs a reason at this point other than the <laughs> fact that Hillary's playing? Um, you know, it's a very strange time right now, and I and it really kind of it's blowing me away because everyone is placing all their coinage on Trump and Hillary, and no one seems to be recognizing that this is about us. Every time Hillary says tells a lie, every time Loretta shows up, every what Comey did, Comey did, they're not doing that to each other. They're doing that to us. Well, that's exactly right. We're the ones that and they're they laughing do, at. And and for people, Mia, who wonder, and I've spoken to so many people in the, I'm blessed to know during the weekend in social circumstances, and every one of them, one way or the other, were saying. Yeah, but but now they've gone too far, and people will recognize that. Mia, how far will they go? I hope so. And the answer is, as far no. as we let them, right? Exactly, exactly. They'll and go. Then, and here's the this last is part nothing. They'll do this. They'll do a hundred times worse than this if we let them. Because they are liberals, and liberal uh, and, and liberals are pathological to the very core. It has nothing to do with whether or not you're hurting what you believe in. As long as they can put their boot on your neck, right. they will continue. And that's, that's right. what there I think no that's what much. conservatives there are going no to be end. learning. There is, there was mm-hmm. a, a bunch of men and women in a room that said, and mm-hmm. there was probably some fool a young person probably with it's a couple of ideals who said, yeah, but can we really get away with this? And the wiser, older people in the room <laughs> looked at him or her and said, don't be a twit. Of course we can get away with it. We can do whatever we want to do and we'll know when we can't do it anymore. They won't let us get away with it anymore. But so far there is zero indication that anyone's going to try and stop us. Mia, I must break. Hang if you can. I understand. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. These are the best and brightest. Mia, a managing partner of the firm, kind enough to hold. Mia, I'm going to try and uh, uh, make the most of our time 
uh, here by uh-huh. asking you a direct question, and I know you'll carry it from here. Were you surprised mm-hmm. by Comey's recommendation? And yes or no, why? No, I was not surprised. Um, It took a long time for him to reach this point, and I have to assume that what was happening is he and other people were getting all their ducks in a row because they knew what the fallout was going to be. Okay, when people get this high up in the on the ladder of uh, uh, on the hierarchy of the White House or the government, uh, there is nothing that they won't do. So there were no second thoughts. There was no conscience involved in this. Right now, you think it was a bribe? How can I get out of it? Oh, you think it was, it was a, br- more, it was for, in, a bribe? In or other a words, a bribe? Bribe threat? Yes. What do you I, think? I don't think there's a. Per- and I know we're, ahead, we're this is t- tough because it's right out of the blocks, but <laughs> you can handle it. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, better than I. What do you think he got? I have a guess as to what he got. I think he got Supreme Court. Uh, um. The, Keeping him in his current job would be too obvious and too harmful to Clinton. Uh And so if she is president, I think what he was promised is Supreme Court. The question is, who promised it to him? Because if it was Bill, Mm -hmm. they'll pull out of it and say there was a misunderstanding. But anyway, what do you think he got? Um, that sounds most likely and most promising, but everything is going to hinge on Hillary winning. Uh, right. Because if Hillary yeah. does not win, uh, like I said, people are going to be thrown out the out, out of windows, and uh, people are going to be leaving the country. <laughs> yes, the pre-menstruation okay. <laughs> party, as you mentioned. Yes, that's right. Well, some legal wit <laughs> okay. announced uh, uh, a few hours ago, or in the middle of the night. I can't remember, but I remember being somewhat temporarily uplifted by this that the statute of limitations on this is not even remotely close to running out if trump wins he can prosecute this is jay severin on the blaze radio network